Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here on the Golf News Network, AM860 in Portland, on iHeartRadio, on a couple of stations in Texas and Oklahoma, and a few more coming down the line. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the way nature intended. In fact, my guest today, I, I owe her a couple of steaks, but we'll talk about that later. And also the folks at Birdie Ball back there in Colorado, John Breaker and his crew. Birdie Ball is a great practice tool. Uh, if you've never seen one or, or hit one, they look like a oversized napkin ring, but they can really help you with your practice in the backyard. So check it out at birdieball.com. Well, there's a new book hitting the shelves here in a couple of weeks. It's a great book. I've read it. In fact, I've read it like one and a half times uh it's written by uh lisa cornwell our guest today lisa's been on the show and her uh, co-writer is a friend of the show too um tucker ah sorry my nose did sorry about that tucker tucker booth and um the name of the book is troublemaker and that's a that's a handle that lisa kind of got branded with uh and I think unfairly so but lisa welcome that was a really long-winded intro I'm sorry about that it wasn't. No, you had to scratch your nose, Jeff. That's uh, <laughs> that's important, and and I understand because I've you know I've been doing yard work and forgot that you're doing this on video. So I apologize to your viewers that that uh, you're wearing a hat and I'm representing my Razorbacks. So it's, yeah, you no, know, I guess it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So let's just kind of start at the top here. How long did it take you to decide to write this book after you left Golf Channel? It took a little bit. Um, I did reach out to, I reached out to Tucker not long after I read a profile that he did on Michael Whalen, who was the first executive producer at Golf Channel. And the writing really captivated me. And I thought, you know, before I reached out to Tucker and I read this and I thought, well, maybe this is a good way to tell my story because I was, I was having a difficult time fully explaining it. And now that you've read the book, you probably understand why, because it was just this series of microcosms that just kept happening, happening over and over that led to some bigger occurrences. And if you tell one of the stories, it sounds bad enough, but you know, when you put them together, it's kind of like dominoes falling and, mm -hmm. and watching all those dominoes fall together. So I thought that it was something that um, was worthy of a book. I certainly knew that knew that my story was worthy to tell no matter because so much has happened you know good and bad like all of us I think we all have a story we all have a book that we could write it's just what motivates you to do so and I wanted to get it out there I mean for me it was very cathartic 
but also for other women who have had similar stories. You know, we say this in the book, Jeff, you talk about, you talk about sexual harassment and, you know, it, it, it's front page news. Mm-hmm. My case is not sexual harassment. And so there's no, it's not this sensational story that, you know, that, that you see with the Harvey Weinstein or that we've seen recently um, with some other folks. So it was just something altogether that I wanted to tell for a multitude of reasons. Well, absolutely. And um, your tagline in this is a memoir of sexism, retaliation, and the fight that they didn't see coming, which good for you on that. But as you were writing this book, because we'll get more into the specifics as we go through the show here, but what emotions did you go through when you were writing this book? I mean, it had to be a bit of a roller coaster at times because you've got great parts in the book where you talk about your life and your family and golf and all the good stuff and Sarah and this and that. And then you you got to step over and kind of tell the other side of the story or what was going on. So it had to be like that. Yeah, it was, but it was, it was really good. Um, there was anger, but I think most of the, most of the anger was really there before we started telling the story. So I had let a lot of that out. And I think a lot of people, especially those folks who don't know me, they probably have a mis- mischaracterization of me. Um, yeah. I'm certainly not an angry person whatsoever. And I'm not a, um, I'm not a, uh, people like to use that word victim. I'm nowhere close to a victim. You know, there are a lot of women who are victims because they have really been subjected to kinds of abuses and harassment that they simply cannot fight back on. That's not the case with me. I've always been, I've always been a fighter and a challenger. So, um, but no, it was great. It, parts of it were hard, but not the golf channel part, you know, cause I had become quite used to telling that story. Now I hadn't told it in the depths to which I did in the book. I mean, I, re- I reveal a lot of things in the book, Tucker, and I do that, that I haven't revealed publicly until now. Um, I've never talked about, you know, my, my personal disdain with, with Brandel Shambly and, and why I don't think you should ever cover a women's golf event. I've revealed that story there. That's never yeah. been told before. Um, I've never really talked pu- talked publicly about Sarah and what happened in Thailand that led to, off channel taking me off of a tournament and then going oh wait hang on this is a major hr violation we have to put it back on yeah never talked about that before so it was really freeing for me to be able to tell some of those stories and let people understand where a lot of this anger came from and you know i will always say that it's justifiable anger and um i'm i'm proud to get it out there well you did a great job with the book both you and tucker but you did a great job by the way the cover photo is stunning. I just kind of, I, I have I, not it, been doing yard work that day. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's just terrific. Um, I told Tucker the other day he put out a post and he said that he had been blocked by Brandle, and I said, "Buddy, wear it as a badge of honor." And he laughed. About I got it. think of, think about this, and it's funny because somebody told me they're like, "Why didn't you put this in the book?" And it's simply I forgot. You know, you always, I think, look back and you're like, oh, man, I missed that. But Brandel blocked me while we still work together. I mean, think about that. So uh, we, we worked. I had to host a show with him one time after, when he had blocked me. That's yeah. just so weird. You know, I don't and know. I, it's this isn't going to be a, a bash Brandel show, but he he is deserving of a few bashings from his behavior and the stuff he does. and. Mm. 
and all that. So that's just, I don't know the man. I've never met him. After this show, I probably will never meet him, and that's just fine. But it, it's that. <clears throat> Excuse me. You you said in the book that one of your chapters is, you said it was a dream job. And I could see that. You know, you worked your way up. Um and we're going to talk about that journey in a bit, but all of a sudden you're at golf channel. And that, I mean, you had to be like a kid in a candy store when you first walked in those doors. It, yeah, I absolutely was. Although I will say I was, you know, I was, I was nervous. It, I felt the pressure because a lot of people who, who I had known for years and who knew me as a golfer, they were now going to see me as the first time as a broadcaster. And it, it was a little unsettling. And, you know, I talk in the book about some anxiety issues that I've had in television. Actually, I've had them in golf. I think that they probably all carry over to the same thing. But, um, yeah, I felt a lot of pressure in the beginning. It took me a couple of years before I, even though I'd had live television experience before, I really felt comfortable. And I think I put more pressure on myself because those expectations were even higher because of sure. my history in the game. And it's funny to look back on it now. And I think, Oh my gosh, I was so nervous about that. And it was just something so simple, but it's, you know, it's part of the journey. I wouldn't change any of it, including the mistakes that I made along the way. They're all sort of life lessons and, and part yeah. of my story, I guess. Yeah. I, I still, and I'm in television stations a lot. I still kind of get the, the wide eyed look when I first walk in, you know, after you get down to work, everything's kind of, yeah. Okay. But I still get that. It's like, I can't believe they let me do this. So <laughs> it's kind of fun um, through the, all of this. And I know there was some apprehension and stuff about your folks and different things that happened along the way, but they've been very supportive of you. Haven't they? 100%. Yeah. You know, I'm really blessed. My, in fact, my parents have been here this past week. They just left yesterday. You know, there were some things early on in my life that weren't easy and, you know, to be able to, go through questioning my sexuality and yeah. you know, I was raised in the Southern Baptist household. So, but I think times have evolved. People have evolved and my parents are so wonderful and so supportive. They've been, you know, they've been my heroes for most of my life and still are. And I think really have, you know, not to be cliche, but have really made me the person that I am today. Good for you and good for them. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back here on Grilling at the Green with Lisa Cornwell and her new book, Troublemaker, which is hitting the stands. I was very fortunate. They sent me a review copy and um, it's still on my desk. It's not going anywhere. Anyway, Lisa and I will be back in just a minute. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We'd uh, again like to uh, tell you that we're talking with Lisa Cornwell today. Her new book, Troublemaker. Uh, it's a memoir. And there's a lot of stuff in it. Uh, you could do a four-page description and not even cover everything that you put in this book, Lisa. Um, <laughs> I, well, like I said, you know, this stuff can there's there's right and there's wrong, and people tend sometimes to justify their behavior 
in their moral compass. And it's like, man, your moral compass has not been pointing north for a long time. So I, I look at things that way. When you made your journey to Golf Channel um, and everything you did getting there, would you uh, change any part of that on reflecting back? Or was it just a great adventure getting getting your foot in the door at some smaller TV markets and then working your way up? Yeah, no, I wouldn't change anything. I don't think that that's, um, I don't have regrets. I mean, obviously there are things that you would like to do better or do differently, but I wouldn't change it because it's just part of the experience that I had and sort of led me to where, where I am today. So no, I don't, I don't have any regrets. I'm just, um, I'm just thankful to have had the opportunities and the experiences, despite the bad stuff that I wrote about, you know, I still have wonderful friends from Golf Channel, incredible lifelong friendships that I will always have. And I'm talking about people who still work there and, you know, they made that job special. It wasn't just the game of golf. It was the people who were there. And those of us who have been around the game for most of our lives and love it and appreciate it and appreciate your coworkers and treating people with respect. It's like with any job, you know, there's just a small full of a small handful of people who really made at least for me and some other women it it was a living hell and it it got worse the more that I spoke out the worse that it got it was almost like they were challenging me to like daring me to speak up and I took their dare well I think you did a good job what was a normal day like just to give the listeners some uh, perspective but what was a normal day like at Golf Channel before all this other stuff started happening when you first went there. What, what did you do? I mean, I don't think a lot of people know what TV people do other than they say, Oh, the camera's on and they stand there and they talk or they sit there and they talk. There's a lot more goes into it. Yeah. So, well, really my days were the same either before or after some of this stuff started happening because, you know, I still had a job to do and, you know, I could not let them affect my performance because if, if they did, then everybody else would see it, not knowing what was going on with me. Sure. So there were times when I did have to put my head down and just do my work. <laughs> Excuse me. It, de- it would depend whether I was in studio. If mm-hmm. I was in studio hosting Golf Central, we would get there around 11 uh, for a production meeting. The meeting would last 30 minutes. And then really for me, I just start researching and writing my scripts and going through the whole process until about 4.30 when I had to go to makeup and get ready and we would go in the studio a lot of times early, 5.30, and pre, pre-tape some segments. Not really full segments, but just um, yeah. just some interviews sometimes. It just depended on the show. And then the show was always from 6 to 7, and then out of there soon after. So that was that. If I was on the road reporting, it was much different. So obviously, sure. you don't have this big production team. You just have you have an on-site producer, a field producer, and, and your camera and audio folks. And that's just getting out there talking to the players, talking to the coaches, talking to the caddies, trying to get a vibe for the stories. I mean, as a golfer, I would want to get out and check out the golf course too and and talk to the talk to whomever I could about the conditions yeah. and what they oh, would yeah. be facing. So yeah. yeah, it was much, you know, very different compared in in studio and and on course, but I grew to love all of it. What was the first time you may not have verbally acknowledged it, but in the back of your head, you kind of thought, wow, this is a good old boys club here, their behavior, what their, the way you were treated by, and it was not everybody on the golf channel staff. There was a handful of people that were kind of 
the in, centric in this thing. But when did you yeah. first know that like started to question? Well, you could kind of sniff it out early. I mean, there there were a small group of guys who had been there for a long time and it's not that they were rude. They just weren't real welcoming. You know, they didn't, they didn't make the show communication that easy, kind of talk down to you. That was fine. I mean, like you're going to face that in TV, especially sports television as a woman. I just, whatever, you know, yeah. I just did my job. And if, if something little happened, I would challenge them, but you know, you just kind of go with it. That wasn't a big deal. And then when I started having some reincurring issues with Shambly, which I talk about in the book. Oh, yes. And and he was really close with that group of guys. So you could sort of see it all kind of coming together. There was this interwovenness between all of them, sort of like we've been here for years. This is our territory. Don't come into it, you know, which I thought going in there, you know, is a long time television person and certainly somebody with the golf resume that I have you know you would think that you wouldn't have to fight some of those battles as a woman but it didn't it didn't matter it didn't matter what I had accomplished in the game it had no bearing that I was a two-time all-american or you know had won amateur titles or sure. I didn't care I was just I was just a woman trying to you know tr trying to step on their toes it's how they saw it I guess I don't know but it it's very common it's, it's yeah. common in, in sports media I think any any woman would say, oh, yeah, <laughs> yep, we've all experienced it. Well, you weren't the only one. There were other women that were. Maybe they weren't an anchor, but they were reporters or they had, you know, special piece assignments or something like that. Um, and they over a series uh, or a piece of time got. The same sort of treatment that you did and were forced out and. But they didn't want it to make it look like you were forced out, but they were forced out, you know, right. like like you were forced out. I don't think you really wanted to go, but you were forced out. And that just sets a tone for everybody that works there. Yeah. And like a lot of these stories I didn't know about until after I spoke out and, you know, people come to you and tell you what had happened to them. So I think it's kind of that. I never really understood, not that I, not that I rejected it. I completely accepted the notion of me too, but the whole me too movement, you get it because, oh, it happened to me too. And you talk, you start, I mean, I'm talking about dozens and dozens of women, Jeff, who reached yeah. out to me with their own stories. And like I've said many times before, some of them were much worse than what I dealt with. And, you know, I talk, I do talk in detail about a couple women who, uh, who dealt with their own issues. Uh, one person I name, one person I don't name because right. she didn't want to be named. You know, it's got to be a level playing field for everybody. And I'm not talking about on the golf course. I'm talking in, in the office. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Lisa and I will be back, talk more about her book, Troublemaker, here on Grilling at the Green. Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by My Golf Spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We've got Lisa Cornwell with us today. But first, we need to thank our folks and our friends at Painted Hills Natural Beef. 
Beef the Way Nature Intended and also Birdie Ball over there in Colorado. Um, I've got a lot of birdie balls floating around in my backyard, so I invite you to do the same thing. Go to birdieball.com. If you want to email us, because we're on all the social media platforms, Facebook, uh, our own websites, just go to info at grillingatthegreen.net. So now we've got that, but we're talking to Lisa Cornwell about her new book out here. Um, you know, Golf Channel partners with the LPGA. We, you and I have talked before. You've been on the show before. We've talked privately about that. I don't think that the LPGA gets enough coverage or the right coverage. Uh, a lot of times when they're airing those tournaments, it's 9 or 10 o'clock back east. Uh, it may be 7 o'clock at night here, our time like that. But did the, did the folks that you write about in the book, did they kind of just turn their back or a cold shoulder to the LPGA broadcast versus PGA tour stuff. I mean, did they, they really say PGA tour is the top level and we don't really care about this over here. Not the production crew, production crew. They're always good to work with, I think, but some of the on-air talent. Well, the on-air talent doesn't really set the agenda. Um, that, that is more, well, first of all, you have in terms of live broadcasting, they have contractual rights. Um, right. I don't think that the contract that the LPGA entered into um, did the tour any good service. I would right. say, I, in fact, I think that it's a detriment. Like I, I, some of it you can understand. Some of it you have to justify the PGA tour. Um, obviously the ratings are, are much higher, um, but there are ways to, to respect the LPGA tour in terms of the news coverage and live broadcast coverage. I was really part of the news coverage. And I can tell you that the LPGA was just an afterthought. So if you had a, not to get too technical, but if you had a six block show, which means you it's six segments divided into commercials, the LPGA always had this placeholder for the third block. And that's where it was, mm -hmm. unless there was something really big going on. So it was, it, from a news side, it was just this, this everyday mentality of, you know, we're just going to push them back and, and not tell any stories. And it just wasn't creative in terms of the production. And I would always fight to get something in the first or second block, even if it's just a little bit, and you could tease it for the latter part of the show. The LPGA has never had a full-time reporter out there. I mean, I, you know, I used to have to beg to go to any non-major and it didn't happen that often. Uh, the first couple of years I was there, we didn't cover the Solheim Cup. We didn't cover the International Crown. It just took time for those things to sort of happen. And I'll wait and find out today, but I don't think that Golf Channel is sending a reporter to this week's International Crown. That's what I've heard. We'll wait and see. I don't have that verified. But so it's these, these regular occurring slights to the tour that should not happen. Now, I will say, the LPGA should challenge it and they don't. And that they, that part of it drives me crazy too, because I think that they have a bigger voice than, than they're using, yes. you know, they do pay, they pay golf channel to broadcast their events. So um, there's that, but then on the live production side, I mean, it's, it's really just, it's simple producing. It's a lack of cameras. It's a lack of good quality audio. It's it's a lack of, you know, the proper time slots. This past week was a great example. They stayed they stayed on the PGA Tour. John Rahm and Tony Finau were still on the golf course. 
and they just push the LPGA back 30 minutes and push them onto their streaming platform. I mean, there's never been an alternate network. A lot of folks don't even know how to, my parents wouldn't know how to access Peacock. Right. They don't even know. They, Peacock to them is, you know, a piece of art and a bird. So uh, there's, there's, they're just not using the creative ability in the, with the modern day technology to really promote the tour. Um, but again, part of the blame does exist with the LPGA tour by not pushing back. And I have had this battle with them for years. I have, I have pleaded with them to fight this battle. You know, I can only do so much on Twitter and those of us who do speak out about it. Right. But you know, at some point it has to change. So. Well, the reason I, I asked I that, know, Jeff. <laughs> the reason I asked that Lisa is because to me, that's kind of indicative of the whole mindset. Uh, yeah. they're at golf channel. It's, uh, certain people are secondary or subservient, certain players, certain tournaments, certain tours or secondary subservient like that. And you can actually see it. I'm not the only one that, you know, I've got a platform, so I've got an advantage, but I have friends on Twitter, friends I play golf with, and they come back and they don't understand why it's done that way. Okay. They don't, they don't get that. They would, they're more, they like to watch the LPGA tour better than like a corn farrier event or the regular tour event. If there's no, if Tiger's playing, the whole world changes. And you know that, and I know right. that, but sans that they don't understand why it's done that way. And I've tried to explain it to them, but they, they don't work in the media business. And so it's, yeah. The, the explanation probably rings hollow to them. Well, it's it's not just the times, though. It's also the quality of the broadcast. You know, people think that the LPGA is so slow. And what they don't realize mm -hmm. is the lack of cameras. Instead of going from one shot to the next, you know, quickly, like when you watch a PGA Tour event, because they have all these cameras loaded out there. Right. You're having to hold on a player and then go somewhere. The spacing in between shots is 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 so much greater watching an LPGA event than a PGA tour event. And that's simply because of a lack of cameras. That's another battle that the LPGA needs to fight with golf channel because golf channel clearly doesn't care. And isn't going to give them uh, what it takes to have a good quality broadcast. I, I go crazy watching the LPGA coverage. I know how good the golf is. You know how good the golf yep. is because you've seen it in person for those folks who don't know. And they're only showing you know, four players and, you know, four players or, or six players, they're going to hit a lot of bad shots. They do on the PGA tour. They rarely hit these great shots. Now they do hit good recovery shots, but you don't have to show all these misses that they yeah. have to on, on the LPGA tour simply because they don't have enough cameras to showcase more of the field. Right. I, I wrote a little joke here for you. You might not think it's that funny, but I thought HR stood for hiding reprehensible behavior. So <laughs> That's good. That's good. When you were, uh, I'm going to jump back to inside the golf channel. Now, when you were working there and you first went to HR and then you went to NBC HR eventually and all this, and you kept doing this. And it seemed like every time one of the, we're going to call them the suits, the suits would say, yeah, we'll look into it. Yeah. And, and then you would wait and wait and wait. And then they'd, Sometimes you'd get a response. Sometimes you would get some sort of answer. Most of the time it was just passed off to somebody else or ignored. So how disappointing was that to you? 
I wasn't disappointed. It was infuriating. And so in fact, my first time, I'd never been to HR in my entire life in any job ever whatsoever. I always thought they just dealt with healthcare. You know, I yeah. didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I wasn't going to take my problems to a department. They weren't that great. But, but when I started noticing that, that my job, um, was now a question that I was being pushed out. That's when I went, but I didn't go to golf channel HR because I didn't trust them because what had happened with a friend of mine who did and basically this egregious action that, that there was no, nothing happened to the person who committed the violation. Right. So I purposely avoided HR and I went to NBC compliance and I, I went directly to the top, to the head of NBC compliance and she couldn't have been better. And then all of a sudden she started doing what you were doing. She passed it along to golf channel HR, even after I'd asked her not to. And so then it became a golf channel HR problem. And that's when things escalated and really became bad. That's when my situation with Molly Solomon got tremendously worse. Um, that's, you know, at that point, it didn't take long. It took like six months. And ha what amazes me is in this day and age that they that they still had the wherewithal to, to demote me after I had been, uh, after I'd gone to HR only six months prior. So I go to NBC Compliance, then meet with Golf Channel HR because NBC Compliance passed me off to Golf Channel HR. Six months later, I'm demoted. I mean, nobody can ever tell me that that was just because they were making budget cuts. Yeah. Um, they were making they were making budget cuts in the production department, but that didn't happen for a year later, and it wasn't happening to on-air talent. So, I mean, it was just so obvious. But because big corporations rarely lose these battles in a courtroom, they decided yeah. to 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 go for it, and they did. Um, Lisa and I are going to take another break and we're going to be back and, uh, Lisa's going to stick around for after hours. Um, but the book troublemaker, it's highly recommended from my chair. Hi everybody. It's JT. And this is a special version of grilling at the green. Grilling at the green is brought to you in part by painted Hills, natural beef beef. You can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's painted Hills, natural beef. Welcome back to Grilling It's Green. I'm JT. Today, we've got Lisa Cornwell with us. Uh, Lisa is going to stick around for after hours um, because we both dressed for outdoors today. We're, we're going to do that outdoors like that. Uh, Lisa's new book, Troublemaker. She was very kind to get me uh, an advanced copy so I could read it. And like I said, I've read it more than I read it once all the way through and I started reading it again just to make sure I knew what the hell I was talking about, which some days I'm not sure about that. But can I ask a, you a question? Yeah. Can I turn this around? Yeah. What part upset you the most? What the part way, bothered you? Two things. I I have I, I'm not a woman and I and so I it's come from a different perspective, but I have been treated by executives and uh, people that I worked with at times that just kind of wall builds up this isolation wall around you when they really want you to move out, you know, things have happened to a point and then they kind of, I don't want to say freeze you out. I saw that happening with you. And then the other part is when they talked about your personal life and you'd asked them not to, that's your business. Um, you can share that with people when, and if you want to, 
in your life. That's nobody's business about who you work with. And that really just pissed me off. Um, Cause that is all when they do that, that is designed to hurt you, to embarrass you, to humiliate you, even though you have nothing to be hurt or uh, humiliated or embarrassed about, but that's, they use it as that tool. Those two things really got my goat there. Um, maybe for other people that read the book, it might be something else, but I, I knew I had been in similar situations than like you had been. Um, same outcome, just a different process. Okay. And, and you, you're always going to be, have that in the back of your mind when you do stuff for people, when you go to work for a company, you, you can't ever get rid of those thoughts. You try, but they're going to be in the back of the, and the cabinet in your brain there. But then the personal stuff, when they think to being personal about things and using your sexuality or whatever against you, that's just horse crap. <laughs> Old cowboy term there. But that's that <laughs> that's it. So I don't know if that answers your question, Lisa. No, I did. I appreciate you letting me ask. I was just curious. Yeah, no, that you can always ask me questions. Um but like I said, I really think that that outing you, if you will, let me use that term. I think that was reprehensible. Um, and, and them trying to say, I didn't mean to, or, uh, it, you know, I, I slipped in the conversation, whatever types of excuses they gave you, they knew what the hell they were doing. So that's my thoughts on it. That and uh, 25 cents will get you half a postage stamp anyway when did you say in the book you've got a chapter that says reality sets in after you'd been through all this and you'd been demoted and you'd had these fights and chambly and and uh oh travel boy matt Matt gianella uh (laughs) we're we're trying to you know they were ganging up on you kiddo and when did you finally go uh I don't want to leave, but maybe it's best if I do just for my own sanity and for your relationship with Sarah and your just yeah. daily life. You have to, that has to come when they push you so far, eventually you have to say, I would love to stay and fight, but there's more people involved than just me. Yeah. I'm not really one to walk away from a fight. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't intimidated by those folks. Um, and the only person who really had control of my job, you know, I, Molly Solomon is mentioned a lot in this book, but right. her husband is actually, if you do a, if you do a name count, her husband is actually mentioned more, Jeff Russell. Um, he's the person who really changed, changed my job. I mean, let's be honest, Matt Janella, or as you call him, travel boy, had no, had no way to influence my job other than through another person. Brandon right. Chambly had no way to influence my job other than through another person. Every member of the boys club had no way to do it either. Um, but, but Jeff, because um, I have no idea why, you know, I don't, I don't really know him personally, although, you know, heard a lot of stories now, it makes sure. a lot more sense, but um, he was the one that, that brought my job to a close at Golf Channel. He was the one who had the authority, and we talk a lot about nepotism in this book, because Jeff Russell is married to Molly Solomon, which made no sense at all. First of all, he, he was my direct boss and mm-hmm. the person who NBC on the organizational chart listed that I reported to yet his background has been as as an editor of, of magazines and publications in fact he was the executive editor at Golf Channel before he came became head of the newsroom and so what happens when when you upset or you get on the bad side of somebody who 
goes to bed every night with the person who controls your job. I mean, it's a no-win situation. So right. the minute that I challenged them on Chambly, the minute that the issue with Matt Janella, who is a very close friend, they take they do take trips together and post photos all the time. Um, the minute that you have conflict with them, then you're on the out. It'll be out May 23rd. Is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, that'll be out. But Lisa Cornwell, uh, thank you. And uh, take care and be kind. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.